Hello and welcome to Searching for Shinies, the Football Stickable podcast, with me, Ketch, and him, Richie Wyatt. Richie, another week, another player. I'm excited because A, we've got a goalkeeper, mm. and B, he's from the Crazy Gang. He is, yes. Neil Sully Sullivan. What a gentleman. And frustratingly, yeah. I mean, he's in his 50s now. He looks younger now than he did in the 90s. Without question, yeah. the best-looking fellow I've had on so far. Not that I'm judging, but there's definitely a bit of Benjamin Button about him. I, c- I couldn't believe how fresh-faced he was. Mm-hmm. You would, at one point, call him Benjamin Button, but that was edited out for professional reasons. <laughs> well, he, he's working at Hull now, and I mean, I don't know when the Humber became the Costa del Sol, but he had a full-on tan. He looked like he'd been out on the golf course all day. I just couldn't believe it. So, yeah, yeah a little bit annoyed about that, because he looked 15 years younger than me, despite me being at least 20 years younger than him. But that's where we are. So chilled, so cool. Great stories, which the listeners, you're going to love it. Moving on, how has the search been going? Have you heard from anyone this week? Yes, I want to tell you about two correspondences I've had. Okay. One with someone called Ian and one with someone called Carlos. So which one do you want to hear first? Okay. Um, I'm excited by Carlos, but let's start with Ian. Okay. I've been in touch with Ian Hart. Ah, okay. Yes. Get in there, Kirch. Well, good... Good news and bad news. Okay, okay. <laughs> Connected with Hardy, he's keen to come on the show. Yes. Has never owned a laptop or computer. So hey. you can see the problem we've got. He doesn't... I'm just trying to get my head around that. Yeah. It's 2021. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll just surely an iPad or something like that. No, no iPad. There's, there's, there's a big hurdle here. He wants to come on, no iPad, no laptop, no computer... His daughter has uh, a laptop, but you know uses it for school and stuff. He's not really keen on on nicking that for for our one of our three hour podcasts that we, <laughs> we like to do. So we're looking into him dialing into a Zoom call, which I think he can do. Okay, we tend to record on Zoom, on phone, so yeah. I think he's going to dial in on his landline. So it looks like we've yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got we've got Hearty, but whether or not he's able to connect with us find out next week listeners okay oh well that's promising and um that's a big name for us in his class wasn't he so yeah it'd be great to speak to him now then carlos i'm trying to i'm racking my brain here for a carlos that played in the premier league in the 90s i'm struggling well not to disappoint you but it's not a footballer but it's, it's an email we've had okay from carlos and he uh, he says hello how's it going hope all is well i have some cool information for you okay this is this that is, might interest here we you. go and uh that the, I should mention, the subject of his email is searching for shinies is ranking very well in Poland. Oh wow! Okay, <laughs> okay. So, Tell me more. Carlos goes on to say, your podcast, Searching for Shinies, has a good performance in Apple Podcast rankings. Brackets last thirty days. Mm. Bullet point: <laughs> position fifty-six in the category comedy. Brackets Poland. Oh, so we're fifty-sixth in Poland. Thank you, Poland. Next. Bullet point, position 86 in the category comedy, brackets, Philippines. Wow. Hello to our Filipino listeners. Next bullet point, position 130 in the category comedy, United Kingdom. Whoa, nil pois. 130. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, the final bullet point, position 190 in the category comedy, brackets, Qatar. Ah, okay. Well, I have our friend in Qatar. Um, who assures me he has listened. That remains to be seen. But um, Poland, that's great. What is it about Poland? That we, there's been a few Polish players in the Premier League. I mean, we've already mentioned on previous podcasts, Darius Kubicki played in the 90s. Um, maybe it's some of his family. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. Darius, 
if you're listening, you know where we are. Talk to me about your end of the search then, because uh, you know I'm, 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 uh, I'm more, you know, inches away from securing hard. How are you doing? Well, yes. So I think as the listeners have worked out by now, um, I don't have a network in football, so I'm relying very much on on social media, and I'm being um, aggressive on that. I mentioned last week Liam Daish. I haven't given up on Daishi. We've exchanged our message now, but it still doesn't look great. Um, no update on Kanchelskis yet. Still hopeful that uh, something might come back from my mate Tim uh, with a dart story. Still nothing from Benali. So I'll, I'll keep plugging away, and I'll you know if I get a thread, I'll, I'll pull on it very hard. But right now, the water's running a bit dry. Um, so listeners, come on. It's time now. Come on. Help us out. Actually, speaking of, of listeners, we did a little a little bit on Twitter this week about people who've met footballers in the 90s, and we'll cover that later on in the show. But I think for now, should we get on with Sully? I can't wait. Goalkeeper, crazy gang, Scotland international, Neil Sullivan. Here he comes. Today we've tracked down our very first goalkeeper from the 1997 Premier League sticker book. This player appeared on page 124 of the book, sticker number 517, and... He appeared as a larger sticker on page 127 as each club's number one goalkeeper was bestowed the honour of having a second big sticker beneath the club's shiny player sticker. He made 565 club appearances and picked up 28 international caps for Scotland. We're delighted to extend a big shiny welcome to Wimbledon's Neil Sullivan. Neil, welcome to the show. Good evening. How are you guys? Very well, thank you, Sully. Good. Thanks for coming on. Much appreciated. Pleasure. No problem at all. Yeah. It's fantastic to have you on, our first goalkeeper. As a former netminder myself, I'm delighted to, to, to have you on. When... <laughs> Why are you laughing at that, Richie? Because I've seen... <laughs> You've seen... We, we had a one-on-one kickabout once. I don't remember this catch. And, yeah, I think your, your knee was hanging off at the time, so... Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd been plagued by knee injuries, but uh, don't don't let him fool you, Sully. Prior to that, I was there. Uh, I had a bit. I had a bit. I've, you know, I've okay. been on trial. I'll take your word for that. <laughs> we're not here to talk about that, luckily. We're not, we're not here to talk about It might about be more that. interesting than what you can say to me. <laughs> when arranging this interview, Sully, you told me you were happy to come on and talk about the old days, but you warned me that you have a very bad memory. That is very so true. It, it doesn't bode well for our first question that we normally ask guests, which is, can you name the other 15 stickers from your club for the 96-97 season that appear on the Wimbledon page? Wow. Uh, well, start with me. I assume I'm in it. You're in there, yeah. Uh, so we'll have, we'll be right back, Kenny Cunningham. Yeah. Um, centre-halves would have been Dean Blackwell, Chris yeah. Perry. Yes. Left back would have been. I should have researched this, shouldn't I? Alan Kimball. Yeah, yeah you're good start. Alan this. Uh, mm. Midfield would have been. Was, oh, Neil Ardley on the right, my roommate. Yeah. A room with, and went and played for him uh, in my <clears> final <throat> season when I went back to Wimbledon when he was manager. Uh, that would have been right side, so we would have had uh, Vinny. Yeah. Uh, was was Leonardson still there? Or had he gone to Liverpool by then? He's there. Was Leo there? Yes. Uh, left side would have been left side. Marcus Gal. Yes. Um, so up front would have been Dean Holsworth. Yeah. Effen Akuku. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How many's that? I'm getting towards the yeah, end. Twelve, I think. Twelve. Sixteen. Uh, oh, Paul Hield. Was the other goalkeeper? He didn't have a sticker. He didn't have a sticker? No. 
Um, who else did we have? Oh, Ben Thatcher. Yes. Yeah. Very fresh-faced Ben Thatcher on the stage. A very young, but still very lively Ben Thatcher. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so three more. We can do clues if you need, but you're doing quite well. Go on. What positions am I looking at? So there's couple, a couple Scottish defender. A Scottish defender. Fullback. It doesn't say actually. Um, I know he's uh, a Scottish under twenty-one. Duncan Jupp. Nope. Scottish defender. I can tell you his height and weight if that helps. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um got well a Scottish defender. He went on. Oh Brian Plymouth. McAllister. Brian yeah. McAllister. Yeah. Blimey was in the Scotland squad with him. Yeah, of course, Brian McAllister. <laughs> um go on, strikers. Wales, a striker. Uh said Dean I was a was Mick Arford there? No, he'd gone. Jason Yule. No. No. A centre forward? Yeah. John Goodman? Yes. 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 Yeah. And yeah. the last player. Great lad. Richie is. What position? Player. Another centre forward? Yeah, yeah. centre forward. The information I've got on him is that he played for Wimbledon and he's from London, so I can't, can't <laughs> help you much. In the second game that season, you played Newcastle and he scored, but someone nicked the ball in on the line and it was given offside. Have I said Carl Court? No. Andy Clark. Yes. Yes, well done. I was thinking, how's he going to get out of this one? You've well, only because I, I sold him my uh, XR2. Okay. Andy Clark. He's a, he's a course. blue, and he, he didn't pay me for a while. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> no, oh, dear. That must have been about the same time. I, had the, yeah, I needed the shoe on to get in and out of that car. Um, but it looked good. Uh, yeah, Andy Clark, yeah. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Sold him my little Fiesta You're XR2. back on speaking terms with him, though. He's paid you the money. No, no, he did, yeah, eventually, yeah. Yeah, we were okay. We were okay. Brilliant. Are you still in touch with many of these guys? Well, we have a group. We have a uh, uh, a WhatsApp group, and we try and have Christmas get-togethers. Uh, obviously, we've not done it for a couple of years, but uh, if we get a day off, we'll we'll all get together um, and head down mm. there. Um, so, yeah, I've been... When was the last time? I think I went two or three... Uh, would have been three or four years ago. It's mainly all the, the local kind of Wimbledon lads arrange it and get together. But there's been, you know, there's quite a few. Laurie Sanchez is always there. And mm. Dean Olsworth likes coming along. But yeah, most of them most of them will turn up if they can. The crazy gang. WhatsApp group. <laughs> it's a can good you night imagine out. the content? <laughs> <laughs> so I dread to think. It's a good night out as well when we get together. I bet, I bet. So you're from Sutton originally, Neil. Were you a Wimbledon fan as a kid? Well, Sutton was where I was born. That just happened to be where the hospital was. Um, okay. I, I lived and grew up in Morden, which is, is just outside Wimbledon. And yeah, I used to be a ball boy there. Um, used to go and watch him, used to train there. Um, I actually supported Liverpool as a kid, as you do, you kind of chase glory and, and things like that. But mm. um, but no, I used to go and watch him all, all the time. And my, my dad used to take me down to the down to the football and the banger racing and the, the speedway and the dog racing where they, they've got the new ground now. Uh, Wimbledon they've just started they've gone back to Plough Lane now haven't they mm-hmm. uh, but I remember it when it was a speedway track and they used to go dog racing and all that kind of stuff there so yeah I used to I used to go and watch them uh, quite often so according to our research you joined Wimbledon officially in 1988 which... well I joined I joined in 1986 uh, on the YTS remember the oh, YTS right, okay. yeah, yeah. so I did a two year YTS on 86 and I signed as a pro uh, in '88. Okay, few. Um, so that's the, obviously the season where you beat Liverpool in the cup. Mm-hmm. So you, as a Liverpool fan, what, 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 <laughs> what well, do you remember? Well, that? I was kind of waning then. I was kind of once I started getting into it, I was, I was kind of. That was more when I was younger. 
Um, I was a Liverpool fan, but once I started getting into it, I kind of obviously had to uh, had to kind of tame that down a little bit and and, and not be so forthright in my views. But um, I, I just used to follow him as a as a kid. But of course, it was, it was great to watch Wim, uh, Wimbledon beat them. As a young player at Wimbledon, then in '88, were you at the final? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got tickets. We was actually handing out. So as apprentices, we had to. Um, I mean, you, you'd never get away with it now. You had to go to the last three home games and when you went, you'd get a ticket. And then that those three tickets, you could redeem it for a cup final ticket. So all the scholars, we were by the turnstiles and whenever someone walks in, I'd give them a ticket for the last three home games. And then they redeemed it and got a, got their cup final ticket because we didn't get many fans. So you could do it that way. But, uh, you, you know, you can do that now. Amazing. So were you, were you involved at all in the, the celebrations afterwards or were you literally just there as a... Well, we, I went there with my mates. Uh, so we all managed to get tickets because I was giving out the tickets. So I, I, mm. all my mates ended up getting Shock. the ticket. Um, <laughs> and we was in Wimbledon. No, we was in Wimbledon. We, we just went to Wimbledon and up Wimbledon Hill and we were celebrating with everyone else up and down the street. Um, yeah, it's good. Really, really, really good night. Obviously, I only, I only live around the corner. So we all live around the corner. So it was it was a really mm. good night. Um and then I was on the bench for the Charity Shield the next, the, the start of the next season. We're going to ask you a few questions about the crazy gang. Um, you might not get and... any answers. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, first of all, the, the nickname, where, as far as you're concerned, where, is that, where does that come from? Well, I think it actually started long before I was, when, as, the, as the club was going through the leagues, really. I think it got, you know, I think the real kind of hardcore crazy gang were, were people like... Um, Wally Downs and Dave Bassett when he was the manager, uh, Glyn Hodges, Stuart Evans, um, Steve Gallies. I'm just trying to think of players I used to watch. Um, they were, you know, when you hear some of the stories, what they got up to, it was, you know, it made us seem a bit, <laughs> a bit, a bit tame. It was, uh, they, they were quite lively. Um, and I think it just kind of carried from there. And I think it was a, I think as Sky got more into it, it was kind of, commer- not commercialised, but it was, you know, it, it was something to just to advertise the games and to get people involved because we didn't have many supporters at the, the, at the ground. So they kind of wanted to have a, not, not a gimmick, but I think we had Crazy Gang on our shirts and everything. Mm-hmm. It was it was like a branding. It was, you know, Identity. what we were doing. Yeah, it was, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what it was. It, I mean, it was, you know, it, it wasn't made up. It was, I think it was mm-hmm. justified, but um, it was, you know, so, like I say, an identity as Sky was coming in to, to have something uh, to cling on to, really. When people ask you about the crazy gang thing, what is your craziest crazy gang moment that you can tell that you were involved in? You said it was a bit more crazier when people like Wally Downs were involved, but in terms of your experience, Neil? Well, I never obviously got involved in any of it. I was always on the peripheral because uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't get uh, involved in, in such things. I don't think there's just one main thing. I mean, bear in mind as well, this was before um, video cameras and mobile phones and Twitter and Facebook and social media and everything like that. So you could pretty much get away with with anything, really. Um, I think it was just, there was just something always, always something going on. There, there was, it, you was either involved in it or you were the butt of the joke or you were sneaking around trying to do something. You was just trying to, it was it was a great place to go and work. You know, I, like I say, I left, I went there at 16 and I left in, what, how was I, 29 so mm. I, I did pretty much all my adult growing up really in this environment that was that was just absolute it was it was mayhem really but mm. a great fun great fun 
You see how I've avoided answering that question. Well, yeah, well, no, well, don't worry, we're going we're gonna to keep prying. <laughs> I was gonna, when, when you joined, you're obviously a very young man. You must have, was there like a moment where you thought, like a real eye-opening moment where you thought, what on earth is going on here? Well, I, I used to do day release as well. So before I left school, so the year before I left school, I'd go and, and turn up and, you know, you'd, you'd, have, you'd end up having all the apprentices would go jogging off because we trained at Wimbledon Common. So you'd have a load jogging off as, as scholars. Uh, and then the first team would go off in a different direction. And then out the corner of your eye, you'd see the first team just kind of turning around the corner and they'd be heading towards you and you'd be thinking, oh, what's going on here? <laughs> and they'd just run past you, beat the shit out of you and then just jog on laughing. And you'd kind of get up and dust yourself down and just, just get on with it. But even as scholars, they're saying, they're coming, they're coming. Don't, don't, don't back down. Get a few punches in, you'll be all right. Just get a few punches <laughs> in. And uh, it was just... It, it was just the way it was. I mean, you would never get away with it now, but it was just the way it was. I watched recently the Crazy Gang documentary, researching for the interview, and I was wondering, was it yourself who was tied to the roof of the car and driven down the A3? <laughs> no, what about no. you? No, that was uh, that was that was before that was that era I was talking about. That that was the like the different era. No, we uh, we didn't have the rope, so we couldn't tie him. <laughs> <laughs> so you just had to hang on. <laughs> Prior to moving on to when you become a first team regular, I've just got to ask you about some of the characters from within that that group. Um, I want to start with John Fashnew because every time I just the, what I've seen of him, I love the guy. I watched him in the Crazy Crazy Gang documentary, and the, I, I presume you've seen that he delivers an interview like he's a serial killer. I think he's, mm. he's like, "What is too far? Nobody died. That is too far." <laughs> I, that clip um, is it just makes me laugh every time. What was he like as a as a pro? He he is exactly as you'd imagine him to be. It, within that that documentary, that that is how he is. So whatever you think of him as a player, as a person, um, what you thought of him on Gladiators, <laughs> it's that that is him. It, there, there's nothing I could add. He, he comes across exactly as he is. So, so whatever make. whatever impression you've got of him. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't try and change your mind. Did you ever have a little talk to talk with him? You, you... <laughs> You're kidding, are you? <laughs> You're kidding. <laughs> there were some people that were immune. I say the, the senior pros to the young. He he was one of the ones that were immune. Uh, Mick Arford was certainly immune uh, uh, to any of that. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't really do anything with Fash. <laughs> Peter Fear was a player I wanted to ask about. I don't know if you played with Peter. Famously featured in a weekly comedy sketch in Match magazine entitled What If Peter Fear Was? And then the picture would show Peter in a humorous new job like a vicar or a, a potato. Was this ever discussed or, or, or brought into the dressing room? I don't, I don't know how he got that. I mean, Peter, Peter's great. He was young, he's younger than me, so and but he lived local. So we'd always, we'd have, um, when we go out, we'd have nights out um, pretty much every weekend. He'd always be around, but he was a bit younger than me. Um, but a, a great, a great guy, and, and I think it was his hair that set him apart from anyone else. He was a bit more nice. Good player as well, good player, but a, a great character, a great character. And it was made that that kind of stuff was made for him. He, di- he didn't care. He didn't care. He, he thought it was funny. He thought everything was brilliant, um, <laughs> and, and I think he enjoyed it really. Player I've heard a lot about is Ben Thatcher, and you alluded. <laughs> Why to have you been hearing about him? <laughs> Who's been just, talking about him? Just heard about him two foot in plant pots and, and all the rest of it. What, what can you tell us about Ben? He two foots plant pots. <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> he, he, he two foot anything. He, he, he'd 
slide along the bar, two foot bar stools. Uh, he just loved to tackle. He absolutely <laughs> loved to tackle. Um, the problem is, is on a night out. Uh, he, he's just. I mean, I can't tell you half the stuff he used to get up to. I, I, I just, I couldn't tell you. You can't. No, no, I can't. <laughs> I, I, I genuinely can't. Okay. <laughs> but it, when he was around and we was on a night out, it you'd have to keep one eye on him and, and see what was going on because he would, like you say, he'd, he'd take a run up about a twenty yard run up and just slide across a bar or slide across a table or, you know, or 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 do all sorts of other stuff. <laughs> I was going to ask, did it ever backfire? But I don't know what result he wants out of that scenario. I think he might have got injured once doing it. <laughs> I think I think he genuinely did get injured once doing. I think he hurt his ankle. I think he was on a Christmas night out and he he, he two footed something and, and hurt himself. Uh, so we had to keep that quiet. How we how we done that? Um, he sounds tailor made for the crazy gang. He was yeah <laughs> yeah uh, absolutely and, and and again every story you've probably heard on your podcast, off your podcast, away from this, talking to anyone is probably true. Probably true. And then throw into the mix Ivan Leonardson. Was it a, it must have been a cult, culture shock for him to, to join, but he seemed to thrive. Yeah, well, I mean, everyone joined. Like I say, I mean, it, it, was, it was lively when we were there, but everyone bought into it. And everyone, I think, respected each, each other's personality. You knew, like you say, which ones you could go a bit further with than, than some of the others. And Leo was one, um, but he's such a good player. You know, he, everyone respected him and you knew he was, he was, he was a good player. Um, but yeah, it was that environment where everyone just kind of bought into things. And, and I think when you join Wimbledon, you know exactly what you're going into. So it's not really a surprise. Um, and, and I think you had to have a certain mentality to, to, to come into the club. Um, and he was the same. He was no different. He recognised what was going on at the club. He recognised the good players that were around him. He recognised uh, the other side of it as well. And and he was very successful with us. And and he was, you know, he, he's a good player, really good player. And it's no surprise he went on to to a top club and and do well at such a top club mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. I think we all recognise Vinnie Jones as probably being one of the leaders in the dressing room. Did you recognise him as being Hollywood royalty? <laughs> not at that time, no, not at that time. I think towards the end he was getting some scripts in, and he was, he was at the back, you know, look, going through his scripts and things. The back of the bus on away trips, going through his scripts. Uh, but we didn't know uh, he would he would do what he's done. But he, he does it very well. And like I saw him, uh, he comes over to the Christmas dues every now and then. And I've seen him at Leeds, uh, a couple of games at Leeds as well. Um, so yeah, he's, he's he's on the. I think he's in the the WhatsApp group. Good luck to him. Good luck to him. He's very good at it as well. You know, when you see him, he's very good at it as well. When he's so, when he's on the back of the bus reading a script, what are the other lads saying? I mean, you're not. Can you take the Can you take the Mickey out of him? Or oh yeah, of course you can. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's funny, so you can't go too far. <laughs> but it's you know, it's it was it's new. It is it's you know, it's uh, I don't know how he got into it. I've got to be honest, but he he got into it and he done very well out of it. So and he's uh, he's been in a lot of films now. Yeah, he's, mm-hmm. he's great. Yeah, good luck to him. And he's always great when, whenever you see him or whenever you bump into him. He's always great. Mm-hmm. Not a player, but another big character at the club, Sam Haman. Did you mm-hmm. ever sit around a table with him and negotiate a contract? I can imagine that was an interesting. Uh, I think you've used the wrong word when you say negotiate. <laughs> that's, oh, not, okay. that's not a word. <laughs> it's, this is what you're getting. That's how long you're getting it for. 
yes or no, okay. and that's it. I think you got was it Dean Ellsworth? You got him to 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 eat some some sheep's testicles. I think in a Lebanese restaurant. I, I can't remember the story exactly, but I think he wanted a pay rise or he wanted he wanted something, and he said, "Well, come to this restaurant and." Uh, and if you eat these sheep's testicles, you can have your pay rise. So I think, you, I think you might have done it as well. That's his kind of way of negotiating. So it's not, yeah, it's not, a, oh, how about this much? Well, no, about the meat in the middle sort of thing. It's, mm. it's uh, no, that's what you're getting. Meat in the middle? Is that the testicles you're talking about? Or the- <laughs> well, yeah, I, yeah, I'm not sure you ate the meat in the middle. I think you just had the testicles. <laughs> I don't think they were on, they were on the menu. <laughs> And there's so many characters in that squad. Yeah. How how do managers cope with dealing with you know from that era and be, and before? Um, I think you just turn a blind eye. I think mm. that's. I think to be fair, that's where Joe Joe Keneal was manager when when I was there. I think he knew. Well, he was very lucky because when you have those kind of characters in the dressing room, the dressing room kind of runs itself, and uh, any problems, you know, you don't have to go up to the manager and say, look, this is happening, that's happened. It was sorted out there and then, one way or another. Um, so I think turned a blind eye to a lot of stuff, uh, let us get on with it. But as long as we worked hard on the training ground and, and worked hard in the games, I think it was encouraged, I think. So I think Sam encouraged it, like I say, and I think Joe encouraged it. And because we were a young side or youngish side, we all lived around the similar sort of area. Mm-hmm. So we'd all have a, we all grew up in the area, so we'd all have our schoolmates. So we'd go out of our schoolmates one day and then we'd go out of our schoolmates the next day and so will everyone else. So what used to happen, we'd meet in a bar and we'd know everyone else's schoolmates as well. Right. And we'd know everyone. So, you know, you just knew everyone and what they were up to. Mm-hmm. As a Newcastle fan, I'm fascinated by joking here. And I wanted to ask you, can you give us a flavour of what training and team talks and day-to-day was like with, with Joe Kinnear? Well, there weren't many team talks. <laughs> it was just get out there and away you go. Um, you didn't really need to do a team talk in a Wimbledon dressing room before a game. It, it was like, I mean, I think we were the first, I mean, everyone does it now, they bring their own music into the into the, the dressing rooms and all that. No one else did that. We used to do it. Uh, away teams would turn off the electric in the change rooms so we didn't have a, they thought we couldn't have a stereo, just got a load of batteries. You know, it was we we the changing room before a game was was it was like a nightclub really. There's music mm-hmm. going, there's all sorts going on. It's you know you couldn't wait to get out on the pitch. So you know if if Joe came in and, and we didn't need motivating, put it that way. Mm. You know, um, and as for the training, I mean, I think we had a, uh, obviously he oversaw it. We had Terry Burton there as well, who was a very good coach, um, who was really good. Uh, so I think as long as he, as long as we worked hard, and he could see we were working hard, it, it <clears throat> turned a blind eye to the other stuff. Um, and I think he was he, he was the right person, the right manager at the right club at the right time. Mm. I think mm. it, it suited him. Wimbledon suited him, and, and we suited Wimbledon. I think. Yeah. So he's obviously manager in the ninety six ninety seven season, which is the one that we're was, focusing yeah. on. Yeah, um, and that's the season where you became first choice, um, or you cemented the position, I should say. I've read a line from your Wikipedia profile today, so I just wanted to give this to you. So it says, um, "Must be true." 
<laughs> yeah. He's initially an understudy for Hans Sagers and then spent the 95-96 season vying for position with Paul Held for the job as Wimbledon's regular keeper before making the position his own in that season. So first day of the season, you're number one. Happy days. You know, it's Euro 96 has just been and gone and the country's on a buzz. And what goes through your mind as, as Beckham swings his leg back? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know when you asked me that, I thought that must be around about that season. <laughs> I couldn't remember the exact date, but I'm sure it's around then somewhere. <laughs> yeah, we're really focusing in on this season, yeah. and it's just a coincidence, I'm afraid. <laughs> what did I? Well, he, he hit it, and I thought, blind, that's going to be close. <laughs> <laughs> and and then I thought, well, I'm not getting that. And then, I mean, luckily there weren't that many cameras around. And, and as it's gone in, I'm kind of hanging off the back of the net, and I'm looking up, and all the Man United supporters are behind that goal. I'm kind of laughing. I mean, I'm getting hammered, but I'm I'm laughing. Mm. And there couldn't have been a camera behind that goal because I'm sure they would have caught it. But um, it did. You know, it didn't really bother me because we were two 0 down, and and it yeah. was pretty much the last kick of the game. Mm-hmm. And it's not till the next day that you see all the hype and everything, and and, and it kind of sinks in. And then we went to Newcastle. Well, you might you might remember Newcastle. David Batty was that going to be your next question? <laughs> <laughs> so that was on the Tuesday night <laughs> so we've done that on the Saturday and then done that on the Tuesday night uh, and then we lost one I think we lost 1-0 to Leeds I think on the Saturday so we lost our first three games it's like a Lee Sharp right foot and, and you know that didn't happen very often um, but then we won an amazing I think we lost for about 20 games after that but it was uh, yeah it was, it was just, it's certainly a, a good start to the season yeah, the Newcastle game the Batty goal for people who who might not remember, a ball's come over the top and you've run out of your box to head it away mm. and it's just kind of fallen to Batty and he's half-volleyed it in off the crossbar and mm. again, you're kind of tangled up in the net. Um, are you thinking, oh my God, I've, I've been done again or, or was it, did you not really compete no, I at thought, that time? Well, it was raining up there, surprise, surprise. It's middle of August and the season had just started but it's pissing down the rain. So the ball kind of come through and skidded through and yeah, I thought, yeah, that's, that's decent. I've come out and I've cleared the ball and I thought, that's, that's all right and then, by the time I'd got up, the ball was back over my head again. And, I thought, oh. and then you see Ben Thatcher, actually, he, he wasn't too impressed. He'd give me a bit of a rocket on the pitch. Um, yeah, you just think, oh, here we go. Do, uh, so do you feel you're at fault for those? So Beckham's goal, for example, are you out of position? I don't think so, no. No. No, I mean, he, uh, no, I don't think so. Even even looking back, I I'm sure I wouldn't have been in a different position or anything like that. So, no, I think it's just a great strike, and you know, well, you know he's, a, he's a great player. So, he actually got me in the Scotland squad. Actually, that goal because I was doing a um, so I was sponsored by Sundico at the time, and I think Beckham might have had shin pads sponsored by Sundico or something. So we did a we went to the NEC and did like there's a stand and you turn up and you sign a few autographs and all that. I had a, like a little kind of line waiting to get mine. These were probably about four deep round the NEC about 20 times. So, um, But I did a, an interview for 442 off the back of that and we was just talking. I just happened to mention I had a Scottish grandparent and and I think Craig Brown read it. And, mm. and that's how I got in the, in the Scotland squad. Off, off, the back of that, off the back of that interview I did at 442, which happened to be an interview because of obviously mm. Beckham's goal and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Did Beckham say anything to you after the game or did you meet him? I think, he's still again? I, th- I think there's a photo of me shaking his hand and saying something, but I can't remember what we were saying. Um, no, I can't remember. I might have said, what a great goal, David. Because mm. he wasn't anywhere near, uh, like, rumour has it, the England squad for Euro 96. 
and that's the first game of the season. And it just for for, for me that's like the start of his career. It feels like it, or from there he's just skyrocketed. Um, yeah, yeah, he's, he's he's not thanked me yet, but uh, for, <laughs> for letting that in. Uh, but I think he would have got there anyway. I think he would have done. I think he would have done okay for himself. I don't think it might have just been. I mean, that might have put him to the, the forefront of people's mind. But I think he would have. He would have done all right anyway. Okay, we interrupt this podcast to bring you the results of a fantastic competition, Richie, that we've run on our Twitter account. Oh, it's big. It's big. Uh, yeah, I've been looking forward to this one, so yeah, let's do it. We have to extend huge thanks, as ever, to our amazing sponsors, Tops. They uh, they are they are Merlin. They were the company that Merlin became, the 1997 Merlin Premier League sticker book is what we're working our way through. They sponsor us and they've sent mm-hmm. us merch that we've been unwrapping ourselves and, and doing our own sticker books. But we've we've got a, a, a Champions League sticker book here, 50 unopened packets of 2020-21 stickers. And we're throwing mm-hmm. in an original 1997 Merlin Premier League sticker book signed by Ryan Giggs with some very questionable and wonky stickers put in there as well. Yeah, so just on that, and apologies to whoever wins this competition because we're about to do the draw now. I've, I was having, the, the book in question which has been given away is the one that's been uploaded to our website. And I was having a look through the, the Wimbledon page um, when we were doing some prep for Neil Sullivan. And I swear, whoever's filled this book in, whether it was you, Ketch, or somebody else, you it's like pin the tail on the donkey. You might as well have closed your eyes and just <laughs> stuck the sticker anywhere. It's a disgrace how oh, badly yeah. the stickers are. However, it's authentic. It smells of 1990s. So whoever wins it is thanks, in for a treat. Thanks for bigging up this exclusive prize, Richie. You've really sold it. <laughs> it is, and it's genuinely signed by Ryan Giggs on the front. So this is some this is some really decent merch. If you want to enter the competition, tough. It's too late. It's over. This has been mm-hmm. on our Twitter account oh, yes. at the Shiny Pod. It's put tens and tens of followers on our numbers, and we're delighted. <laughs> and a lot of you have been retweeting it, and we've come up with a really scientific way of revealing the winner, haven't we, Richie? Yeah, you're going to be scrolling between the two or three names that have retweeted, and I'm going to say stop, and whoever it lands on, we're okay. going to go for. So, um, good luck, everyone. It'd be good to put some like 90s-style computer music over the top of this section as I scroll through and you say stop, but I can confirm I'm now okay. scrolling, so if you want to say stop, I'll read out the first name I see. Here we go. Ready, everyone? Scrolling. Stop. Slovenian football. <laughs> Slovenian That's football. what he's called. <laughs> Sl- <laughs> Slovenio one. Slovenian, I believe. Big Champions League fan by the sounds of things. YouTuber. Oh, that's promising. Congratulations. I'll be, I, I mean, well done, Slovenian football, <laughs> whoever you are. Um, congrats, congratulations. I'm a little bit annoyed because I was hoping that I'd have picked out one of my buddies that lives in Sussex that I could then swap with. I won't be posting regular swaps to Slovenia, if I'm honest. But, nonetheless... Congratulations to he or she. They uh, have 365 followers. Three followers are, are of interest. Bayer Leverkusen, official English channel. New York Red Bulls, oh. follow Slovenia football. And Wolfsburg, their official English channel, is one of their followers. So, what? pretty big deal, Slovenia Who football. is this Slovenian football person? This is exciting. We've gone. We've gone international. Yeah. We've already got Poland and Philippines and, and Qatar. Now we've got Slovenia. Get in there. So the handle is Slovenio One. I'm going to DM this person, tell them they've won, and uh, let's see. If, if if they don't reply to me, then we'll we'll redraw next week. 
How does that sound? Yeah, I mean, I hope they reply. Yeah, so and, you know, everybody else, follow Slovenia 1 because, you know, I'm sure they're coming up with some great content. I haven't looked myself, but they're following us, so, you know, they've got to be on point, haven't they? We'll dive in, and if there's anything of interest, we'll report back. But uh, in the meantime, back to Neil Sullivan. So, in terms of Wimbledon that season, you already mentioned that um, you lost the first three games, but then you went on a great run. Mm-hmm. And actually, in terms of Wimbledon's performance that year, it was the, one of the best in the history. Finished eighth in the league, mm. got to the semis of both cups. Um, yeah. Did it feel like you were overachieving, or no, not at all? I think, I think that was the one of the the, the strengths about Wimbledon. We people. I don't think give us credit for the the talent that we had. We had we had a lot of good players in that side, you know. Um, I think people just thought we were a load of thugs who kicked anything that moved, and you know, while that was true to a certain extent, we 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 still had good players. Like I say, we had Leo in the in the time. Uh, we had Dean Oldsworth who's, who played for Wimbledon, uh, played for England. You know, Chris me and Chris Perry, Chris moved on to to Spurs. Um, you know, all these players kind of moved moved on to, to really big clubs. Um, and we had a lot of good players. And I think we were third at one point throughout that season. I think what happened, because we had the cup run, the both cup runs, I think we had a quite a backlog of mm. of games towards the back end of the season. And I think we just kind of fell away a bit mm. uh, towards the back end of the season. I think we picked up a, few in, a couple of injuries and, and we were playing, you know, two, three times a week, I think, towards the end of the season. I think it just all caught up on us in the end. Mm-hmm. You had seven wins in a row in that campaign as well early on, so you, mm. you know you must be a pretty decent side to be able to do that. Mm. Um, with regards to the Cup final, so I'm, I'm a Middlesbrough fan and we reached both finals that year. Do you look back and think what could have been? I think when you, yeah, I think when you look back, I mean, Chelsea beat us, I think they beat us three, I think. Um, and it was the, I think the League Cup was two legs then. Uh, we got beat off Leicester in in two legs. Yeah, we we were going, we were going really well, um, and the game at Highbury against Chelsea, I think we 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 just got beaten by a great side. They they had some players playing for them then, um, but I think the Leicester one, I think the 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 League Cup, we we fancied our chances a bit, um, but like I say, over two legs, it wasn't, it just wasn't to be, um, which was a shame because we were a good side and. And the way we finished outside of Europe as well which was a shame, really, that year. As you can't remember much more from 96, 97, we'll, <laughs> we'll move on to um, beyond that. In the seasons after, you finished 15th, 16th, and then unfortunately relegated. What were the main reasons, do you think, behind the decline? Were Wimbledon always punching above their weight and perhaps the Premier League wasn't sustainable? Um, I think at that time, a lot of money was coming in, into football. Uh, the top clubs were getting... Bigger and stronger. Um, we uh, Egil Olsen came in as the manager, um, and it was a time when Scandinavian players were the were the kind of the ones to bring in. I think Norway must have had a good com- a, a good tournament, and a lot of the Scandinavian players kind of came over. That was the mm-hmm. that was the place to find players. Um, I think with Egil coming in. And I think he wanted to utilise his knowledge of, of what he knew with the Scandinavians and bring them in. Unfortunately, I think the ones that came in weren't possibly, not all of them, fit into the Premier League, I think. And we we struggled a bit. Uh, and, and 
yeah, the money was making a big difference as well. Um, and I think we, we, we struggled to... I think we lost a bit of our identity, I think, if I'm going to be completely honest. Hegel Olsen, bit of a strange appointment? It was a bit... Well, I think they had a good, a good tournament. I think Hegel took Norway to... Did they get to semi-finals or quarter-finals of, I think, maybe the World Cup? They beat Brazil in 98. 98. In the group stage, in your group. Well, we was in the group, yeah, we was in the group with us. Um, yeah, so I think they had a, they had a, a, a decent tournament. Um, I just think the way he wanted to play didn't suit the players we had. Did he ever get his wellies cut up by the crazy gang? Uh, he did. <laughs> he just bought another, he just bought another pair, yeah. <laughs> very early on, I think very early on, just to just to make him feel at home. Even the manager's getting his clothes done and car done by the, the yeah, guy. Yeah, like I, I say, no one was uh, yeah, no one was no one was immune, unless you're Fash Finney or or Mick. <laughs> when the club went down, then was it an option for you to stay, or was that decision kind of taken out of your hands? Well, my contract had run out anyway, so I, I, I was on a free anyway. So um, I think it was I was always going to leave uh, at the end of that season. So obviously, from there on, the, the big move came to Spurs, which mm-hmm. on paper looked like a great move for you, an ambitious club, London-based. Mm. Um, that must have felt like a sort of a big step in your career. Yeah, brilliant. And, and I enjoyed, obviously, George Graham, well, he didn't buy me, but he, he took me in and, and Hans Seegers was the goalkeeping coach at Spurs at the time as well. So he, he kind of knew about me, so I was working with Hans. So that was, that was, that was good. Um, yeah, I mean, chalk and cheese, you know, Wimbledon, we trained on a common picking up dog shit before the game, before training, <laughs> you know, is a transport calf. So you'd have, you know, all the truck drivers driving in and um, until they bought it. Uh, then you go there, it's, it's just completely different. You walk into the training ground, there's all, you know, all the top, top players and the stars in there and different atmosphere. But I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed working with, with George Graham. Uh, you knew where you stood. It was, you know, I, I, I really enjoyed it. And, you know, you go, the first time you pull up at White Hart Lane, someone comes and takes your car, they're stealing my car. You kind of pull up and they say, open the door and kind of hoik you out your car. And you're like, what's going on here? He said, oh, I'll go and park it for you, don't worry. I'll go, I'm thinking, has he just nicked my car? <laughs> am, I, am I ever going to see that again? And he, he's off and luckily you come out and he brings your car back round. You know, things like that just made me laugh and just it's just completely different to what you've been used to for the last... How long was I there? 13, 14 years, you know. So when you've joined Spurs and you've looked at that squad and then as the squad has evolved over two or three years, what, what was that like compared to the squad that we used to at, at Wimbledon? Did it feel like a big step up or was it just different? It was just different. I mean, a couple of them are still playing behind Ben Thatcher and I'm still playing behind Chris Perry, so I knew exactly what they were doing. I knew exactly what they were like. But, you know, you had players... Well, you had... Who was there? Ginola. You had, I think I signed the same day as Sergei Rebroff. Me and him signed the same day um, Les Ferdinand Sol Campbell was there uh, you know all these players that come in it was you know all these stars really mm. and and you know when you're when you're playing with them you realise that you know they, these are good players and you realise what an achievement Wimbledon did to stay kind of hang on to them really and mm. compete with them and do better than them on a lot of occasions um, but no uh, it was a great Great time, a good, really good club. Fully enjoyed my time there. Yeah, and you played under Glenn Hoddle there as well. What was he like? Yeah, well, he um, uh, he let me go. 
so <laughs> I obviously wasn't his cup of tea. Um, I obviously wasn't his cup of tea. So, you know, you, you have to kind of, you know, move on. I think he was. He, he wanted to go in a, a different direction and I don't think I was, um, I don't think I was for him. Did he invite you to go and see his faith healer, Eileen Drury? Uh, he didn't, no. <laughs> I'm not sure I would have gone, to be honest, but um, no, no, he didn't. Grown out of that. <laughs> Maybe. Well, I never got the invite, put it that way. Yeah, but so your next move was potentially one of the dream gigs in football, back up at Chelsea. A lot of a lot mm. of goalkeepers really keen to land that position. You know, you, you get the train at Cobham and pick up a good wage and, you know, you're not under pressure all the time. Well, I, I, well, I hadn't moved to Cobham at the time. So uh, I think they said they were. So I've got a house not far from Cobham and then ended up driving all the way around to Heathrow Airport, which in the morning and the afternoon, you'd know the traffic is a nightmare. Um, but I didn't have a great time there. It, it, wasn't, it, just, it just didn't work out for me there, which, which was a real shame because I was given an opportunity to play and in some big games as well. But it, it just didn't work out, which was which is a shame for me. Really, I, I'm really disappointed. But if I, you know that that's probably my one and only regret in football, that I was given an opportunity to play and, and play in some big games. I, I mean, I, I could have played in the Champions League semi final, but I had a bit of a stinker the week before against Arsenal, and and, and didn't play. But that's that's really disappointing, really. And that, yeah. It's, it's a shame. When you went to Chelsea, were you going there under no illusions that you were the backup to Cudicini or was it there for the taking? You could have had the number one spot if you'd put the performances in. Well, I, I knew I didn't have a future at Spurs, to be honest. Um, so I just needed to get out. I just needed to, to get out. And my, my agent rang me and said, Chelsea. I was like, well, OK, fine. So I knew, but, you know, I... I Fancy myself, and I thought, you know, I'll, get, I'll go there and give it a good go and, and see what happens. And as luck would, well, as as it turned out, uh, Carlo picked up a few injuries, and I got into a few games. And um, but it, I just didn't do well enough that a club like Chelsea demanded. And uh, you know, I was left. You, you don't get many chances at, at clubs like that. So I, I was just left out, and and that was it really. And then I was only there for a year, and then um, Mourinho came in, who's not a bad judge of a player, and got rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> bought him Peter Cech and, and then that was it then I moved up north Did you have any interaction with Jose? Did he say look sorry this is not happening I'm bringing in Cech No no I, no not really it was it was just a kind of quite a quiet thank you <laughs> out you go and that, that was kind of it really So how did the move to Leeds come about then because obviously Blackwell's manager there and he himself was a former keeper They wanted me to go on trial so again, my agent said, Leeds, why don't you go on trial? So I thought, well, why not? I'll, I'll, I'll go up there. So they, they just got relegated. So they got rid of everyone. Everyone that they, they had money troubles. So they had to get rid of everyone effectively. Mm-hmm. So he was kind of rebuilding, really. He was, he was rebuilding everything. So he, he pretty much started again. So yeah, my agent just said, go out there for a week on trial and I said to the missus and I'm going up there for a trial she went yeah go on then she thought I'd be back in in a week and that would be that mm. um, so I went up there had two two or three training sessions uh, just rang the missus and said they want to keep me and she was like well, what do you mean I said well they want to sign me where's from when said, well pretty much now I'm done so <laughs> I moved up north and, and played for them, yeah, pretty much signed after two or three days of a, I think it was a, like a 10-day trial. 
and then and then just stayed. And this was post Premier League Leeds, so this was the first season down in the Championship. Yeah, so I'd literally just got relegated. Yeah, and and like I say, all the money problems that I had there to get rid of everyone, pretty much everyone. I think the only ones left were, I think Lucas Radibi, Seth Johnson, Gary Kelly. Uh, beyond that, uh, there was a few coming through. Aaron Lennon, Scott Carson was the other goalkeeper. Uh, beyond that, I can't think of too many more players that were that were still there. In in your second season at Leeds, uh, the club got to the playoff final and lost to Watford. Was that yeah. a bit of a sliding doors moment? You think for Leeds, if they yeah, got definitely. up, if they got yeah. up, then it might have been different. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. But we just we didn't we just didn't perform on the day. But yeah, I often think of that now. Obviously, I mean, they're up there now, which is great. Um, but yeah, I think if we could have done that. It would have been a very different Leeds United, I think. Um, but it was it wasn't to be. It wasn't to be. The playoffs are scary. Like I would never want to. I've ne- as a Newcastle fan, I've never watched us play in the playoffs, and there's so much pressure on games like that. I just yeah. I think they're the best way to go up. If if you're guaranteed to go up, you go up in the playoffs. I think it's a fantastic. I've been lucky enough to go up in playoffs. Um, but it's the worst way not to go up. If you, to lose, I've lost them as well. So. I think it's the best way to go. If you could guarantee a promotion through the playoffs, you'd take it every day of the week. Mm-hmm. I went as a fan a few years ago and it was the best day up until the game kicked off. <laughs> and then it became the wor- Borough lost to Norwich. It was horrific. Oh, yeah. As soon as the first the whistle went, it was just dreadful. Yeah. Um, it's an amazing experience still. And, you know, don't regret it. But, yeah, as a player, it must be a million times worse. Yeah. Basically, I mean, like I say, it's... it's it's a, again it's the same to you. It's, it's great when you're up there and when you're playing and involved in it. But as soon as the final whistle goes, you've either won or you've not. If you've won, it's the best day. Mm-hmm. It's the best day in football you could have. If you've lost, it's the worst day. Yeah, the yeah. worst day you, you you could have. Your next move saw so you stay in Yorkshire and you went over to to Doncaster. I'm looking at your your career stats. You're so associated with Wimbledon, yet you played fractionally more games for Doncaster. I was there a long time. Yeah, I was there a long time, and and that was a again that was a really nice that was a good club. Obviously, I went there on loan while I was at Wimbledon uh, while I was at Leeds, um, and yeah, I think I got my first medal in the what is a Johnson's Paint Trophy. It was I can't I don't know it's been the Leyland Daff and the LDV and the, I, I don't <laughs> Papa, John's. Papa John's now Papa John's yeah, now. Yeah. So that was my first kind of that was my first kind of medal, really. Um, but it's a great club. They just moved from Bellevue into the keep moat. Uh, that the owner was really having a go. That uh, Sean O'Driscoll, the manager, was there, and they were really having a go. And uh, it was really good. It's a, it a great club, really good club, well run, um, really ambitious. Um, again, had a lot of good players playing for us. We played in a, a very entertaining way. And uh, yeah, it was, it was. I really enjoyed it. One of the best things I think about your time at Doncaster was that in 2012, 13, you actually got a chance to go on loan to AFC Wimbledon. It's fantastic that it went full circle. Mm. I'm really interested to know what the AFC Wimbledon vibe was like compared to the Wimbledon that you played with in the 90s. Was the same spirit there at all? Any original staff members still there? Well, Neil, the the reason I got I went there because Neil Ardley was the manager and he was my roommate that I roomed with for well all my time at Wimbledon really. So I know him, you know his his wife is is 
goddaughter to my kids and you know we'd go on holidays and you know we'd go out and I still speak to him he's at Notts County now and I still speak to him so he was they was they were down the bottom and he just wanted a bit of experience really and he just called me and said you fancy coming to play um so I went back down there went and stayed with my mum uh I think in the same bed I think <laughs> judging by my back when I woke up in the morning I think it was in the same bed uh and went and trained with them for a couple of days and then played with them just to, to kind of help him out really because he wanted a bit of he, he wanted a bit of experience and that was really good it's different so there's a little bit of and obviously I knew the 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 because so the people that set up AFC Wimbledon were obviously the supporters of Wimbledon so I knew a lot of them anyway and I knew the story and I knew what they were trying to do um so I was still in touch with AFC Wimbledon in in their progression I think we um so yeah it was good I, I mean obviously you can't get away with what we got away with in back in the day but um, you know, there's still a, a good spirit around the place. How did you feel when the MK Dons thing happened then with, with Wimbledon? Were you really angry by, by that? It was kind of muted for a while. I was talk about I'm going to Dublin as well at one point. I don't think it's right, to be honest, to take a club from from there. I, I know some clubs have gone out of a borough, but that, I mean, this was too far. It did make it a franchise, effectively. Mm-hmm. You know, you just picked, picked a, a, a club up and... and uh, I couldn't tell you exact miles, but I think it was. Um, I put it this way: I don't associate, I don't associate the MK Dons as my club. I think AFC yeah. are my club. Yeah. I mean, I, I knew a couple of lads that went there and, and were coaching there, and you know they've got to do what they've got to do. It's it's you know it's the way it is. But I don't associate the MK Dons as Wimbledon, the Wimbledon that I knew. I, I associate AFC as my club, if you like. I think that's one of the best chants in football supporter history is the the one that AFC Wimbledon fans give to MK Dons, which is, where were you when you were us? <laughs> <laughs> so you don't lose their sense of humour, do they, the fans? They're brilliant. <laughs> they are brilliant. They're brilliant. So Ketch has already alluded to the fact that you've played so many games for, for Doncaster Rovers and um, your final game obviously was a successful one in that you were promoted as League One champions. Mm-hmm. Did you know going into that it was going to, you were going to finish? I mean, obviously, I think you're in your early forties by then. Yeah, well, I was forty three then, and uh, I just come back on off loan. Uh, Gary Woods uh, picked up an injury, so I played the last, I think, three games. I think. No, I, I was offered another contract at Donny. I was offered like a, a playing contract and uh, like an ambassadorial role, you know. But the, the job at Leeds came up and I thought, you know, for my long term, I wanted to get into coaching. I wanted to get into that kind of stuff. And, and Leeds was perfect for me. It's it's pretty much on my doorstep. It's a club I know well. I know it's a, a fantastic club. And uh, it was just right to 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 do it. If I, if, I, if I missed that opportunity to join Leeds, then I'm not sure I would have got it. And, and if I played for another year, I, might, I wouldn't have played many games. I would have just been training and, and, and you know the, playing games is what it's all about really Can you talk a bit about the final few minutes of your career because that's a bit of an iconic game mm. um, for people who Brilliant. don't know can you explain how it ended Well we, we last game of the season so I think we were second um, we was playing Brentford away um, they were third I think we were two points above them so we had the draw they had to beat us to get promoted um, in the final probably 30 seconds, they got a penalty um, at nil-nil. So if they scored, they would have gone up, we would have gone into the playoffs. 
Um, they had a bit of an argument who was going to take the penalty. I think I was messing around, got booked. Um, <laughs> and and they smashed they smashed the penalty, hit the bar. I tell people I got a touch, but I was nowhere near it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it hit the bar, bobbled around in the area for a bit, and we just hooked it clear. And, and one of our players was standing out by the dugout just having a drink of water and all of a sudden the ball's coming towards him. They'd all pushed on for the penalty. Um, he picked up the ball, ran half the pitch, squared it to Coppinger, who scored from about two yards. Um, after the game, found out Bournemouth had got beaten. So we went up as champions. So And that was my last ever game. So the problem is, after the game, I got drugs tested. So... Oh. Everyone, oh, no. I could hear everyone downstairs in the dressing room singing and with the beers and everything going on. I was upstairs in a horrible little room sitting next to, I think he might be in the centre half, trying to make polite conversation. He's just thinking oh, he's going to play us, trying to have a piss. And uh, so I missed out all the celebrations. And if I knew it was going to be my last day, I would have taken the fine and the ban and just gone and joined in the, yeah. the celebrations. So that was, my, that was my last moments of my career. I was sitting up in a room upstairs trying to have a piss <laughs> with one of the Brentford players trying to have a drugs test while everyone else was celebrating couldn't, couldn't think of a more perfect finish <laughs> <laughs> what a way to finish see? Uh-huh. I was going to ask you what were the celebrations like in comparison well, to I don't know. Wimbledon I days I don't but... know no I don't know they were all in there uh, and I think I planned because it was the last game of the season I think I planned something in London as well so I was driving down to London as well so not knowing because I, I, was, I was at Wimbledon at the time um, and I played the last, so I'd, I must have arranged something to go out. And, and then I came back, I got called back to play for Donny. Mm. And that, that that happened. Unbelievable. But great, it's, it's a great way to finish your career, really. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look back and and, and think of, of that, it's, you know, it's, it's a great story to, for that to be your last game of the season, uh, ever, last game ever. So we've run through your, your club career there. Let's let's chat a bit about Scotland. So you've already mentioned that you started pretending to be Scottish just before the World Cup. So I was always Scottish. <laughs> I was always Scottish. It's in the blood. It's in yeah. the blood. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, so talk us about. So obviously you mentioned Craig Brown. Saw the interview in the in the magazine. Yeah. Um, did the, when the call came? Was it a bit of a shock, or did you see it coming? No, I didn't see. I didn't see it coming. And again, I was at Wimbledon at the time, so that you know they didn't miss an opportunity to you know if it was your turn, it was your turn. So I got okay. absolutely pelted for that. Um, but it was great. I mean, I it was, it was just a. I just I can't. I'm just trying to think how. I, it was just brilliant to uh, to be recognised and want to go and play for 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 Scotland. You know, it's it was it was great. Um, and then the first trip I went up, so I'm on a flight. I'm at Heathrow Airport, so I'm flying up to Glasgow just for my first meeting. I pick up the Daily Record, which was uh, obviously the, a, a Scottish paper up there. Um, so I'm having a look through it, flick to the back post and go, oh, I'd rather have a dustbin in goal than an Englishman. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, that's a bit harsh. And I didn't really think it was, t- it was talking about me. I was just thinking, oh, so I kind of flicked in a couple of pages and saw what happened. I said, oh, there's my photo there. What's going on there? It's going from back page. And I went back to it again and I went, ah, right, he's talking about me then. <laughs> and at this stage, I hadn't met anyone. I'd spoken to the manager. I hadn't done anything. And I was just flying up to Glasgow, not knowing what was going to go on. Um, but I got there and and, and, and the, the manager was great. All the players were great. And, you know, it was, it was, it was brilliant. 
Re- really enjoyed my time. Really enjoyed it. It's fantastic. So it was 1997 that you got called up, and you've been picked for the World Cup, presumably as as backup to to Jim Leighton, who's who's 40 at the time. Well, actually, I was I went as third choice because Andy Gorham was yeah. in the squad, and we went to America uh, on like a a, a pre World Cup um, tour. And I, I don't know what happened. I don't know whether he got an inclination that Jim would be playing and, and he, he quit, he, he retired um, before we went. So I was going as kind of third choice um, and he he, he retired. Uh, so that put me up a, a notch and we brought Jonathan Gould in. Yeah. You must have been fuming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who, Johnny Gould? He ruined his summer. My abiding memories of Jim Layton are his heavily vaselined eyebrows. That- <laughs> and no teeth. Yeah, very, very interesting look. Yeah, yeah. He he was uh, he was he was a, a dedicated professional. He was he, he worked hard, um, and he put everything into preparing for games. He, he used to do his warm up in his pants, which was a bit strange. I mean, inside, not when he went outside, not on the pitch. I know you're, you're <laughs> I trying to think. You're trying that. to think. You'd have to remember him doing that. But in the dressing room before, he'd want some volleys and he'd just be standing there in an old top, his gloves and a pair of pants on and his socks and, sh- and <laughs> oh, <God>. boots on. <laughs> great uh-huh. imagery there. <laughs> <laughs> so the World Cup then. So obviously Scotland are going to the World Cup, which as we know now hasn't happened for so many years. Did it feel special going, especially given that you're in the opener against... Yeah, I think, that, yeah I think that, that's what made... I mean, going to the World Cup was, was fantastic anyway, but knowing you're going to open it as well. Mm. Um, against against the world champions Brazil with all the the big names and everything. Yeah, I mean, that was just uh, the media attention and everything on it and and how it went. I mean, that was um, very very lucky to be involved in things like that and to to be to be able to talk about things like that. I mean, it's it, they they don't do it now. The hosts um, open the tournament yeah. now, don't they? Mm. But like I say, back then and, and we all got our kilts and. Um, you know, a lot of attention. I think we did well as well. We played really well as well. Mm-hmm. You know, we we, we were unlucky. Mm. Um, but yeah, a, a great occasion and, and yeah, brilliant. Brilliant to be involved in. Ahead of the World Cup, Scottish alternative rock band Delamitri recorded a World Cup single. I don't know if you remember it. We did. Don't come home too soon. <laughs> I, th- I always felt that I'm in the video face. somewhere I'll be in the video somewhere I can remember doing it we, we all got called in and we uh, no I tell you I weren't in because I, it was uh, I think they just got the Scottish based players to do that the ones that were up in Scotland so I didn't get in the video but uh, yeah we met them all and they come in and showed us a song and all that kind of stuff yeah but a strange title yeah did, I just I, like I said tempted fate a bit for me <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's a catchy little number. I don't know <laughs> right. whether it got in the top 40 or anything, but uh, no, it, was, it was all right. I, I, I probably got a copy somewhere. So tell us a, a bit about what you're doing now. You're at Hull City. Do you want to tell us about your role there and how long you've been yeah. doing that? Um, well, I, I went there in the summer. So I left, when I finished playing um, at Leeds, uh, uh, sorry, at Donny, I went into Leeds and, and started coaching. I was there seven years, uh, left in the summer. Uh, and the job at Hull turn up, so I, I look after the 18s and 23 goalkeepers there. Um, got a couple of decent ones, as you know. <laughs> so connection would would uh, would justify uh, testify. Um, but no, it's good. It's 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 a good club. They've got Richard Naylor there. Do you, you might remember him. He's head of academy there. 
Um, so I played with him. We used to drive into Donny together when he was there. He was he was a coach at Leeds. Uh, John Anderson, who was a coach at Leeds. So I know a couple of guys there, which made it easy to settle in. And it's good. It's it's really good. It's a good, it's a good setup. And I think if you look at Hull now, they've got a lot of academy um, players that are playing in the first team or in the squad. There's quite a few. I think there might be six or seven, maybe even more than that in and around the squad, uh, which is really good. Um, so it's a good academy and, and it's it's going well. I'm enjoying it. Working with young players, do they believe you when you tell them some of the crazy gangs tales? Well, you can't, doesn't really, tell you can't really. No, I can't remember any of them, obviously. <laughs> so obviously I can't remember any stories. Um, but they... Uh, yeah, I think it's a different generation. I don't think they think football was invented before the Premier League. So mm-hmm. it's uh, anything beyond before that is is kind of not really football. One question we're asking everyone who comes on the show is, can you tell us who your shiny player is? So this is the okay. best player you've ever played with or against? Uh, against uh, Zidane, I think. We played him, um, uh, Scotland played France just after they won the World Cup. Might have been a couple of years uh, in France, he he was he was amazing. He he was unbelievable. I think he done a trick on the halfway line, and I went for it. <laughs> <laughs> he, he did something, and I was like, I, was like, I hope no one saw that. <laughs> he was he was brilliant. The way he kind of went went through a game was was fantastic. He was probably, but then, you know, when you're looking at the era in the Premier League, you, you're talking about, you know, how do you compare people like like Shearer and. Henri and Zola and yeah, it's hard to compare. York and Cole, you know, all these kind of players were unbelievable. David Beckham, I suppose, <laughs> as well. You have to you have to put him in there as well. Pretty shiny. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, that was Neil Sully Sullivan. What a wonderful fella! Gave a great interview. He was a bit of a closed book when it came to the crazy gang, though, Ketch. Yeah, and I, I, fair enough. They're very, very crazy. But it was fantastic to have someone on who had a really big season, basically. 96, 97 was huge for him. Broke into the team, had a, had a great season, and was part of probably the most famous incident of that season, the Beckham lob. <laughs> just, it was just fantastic that we got someone that was at the heart of it all. Yes, begrudgingly talked about Beckham. It's... Um... <laughs> And then and then conceded as the first ever goal that Alan Shearer scored for Newcastle and got lobbed off David Batty in the next game. So it's just a phenomenal start of the season for Sully. Yeah, poor Sully. <laughs> but, um, all ended well for him. Anyway, Ketch, this week we had a little a little Twitter we did. correspondence about have you met any 90s footballers in person? Um, and we had a few quite funny responses, so we'll go through one or two of those now. Um, starting off with... It's Joel's tweets. Yeah. Now, I don't know if he's a Borough fan or not, mm-hmm. but it sounds like he might be. So he says, played keepy-ups with Janino outside the Purple Onion in Borough. No one will top that. It's pretty good. Okay, well, that's for us to decide. It's good. Now, what I would say about that is Janino was well known for coming out the front of his house and playing football on the street with passers-by yeah. kids. He was very, very hospitable in that sense. The surprising bit about this story is the Purple Onion is a bit of a happening bar in Borough, or it certainly was back in those days. I don't see Janino being a big drinker. Mm. I'm not so, sure there's any happening bars in Middlesbrough. How dare you <laughs> say that? 
What can you describe the purple onion for us? Uh, it serves alcohol. What more do you need to know? Well, you know, clientele. Can you get in there with trainers? Uh, you know. <laughs> well, in full Baruchit, by the sounds of it, genius <laughs> there. But uh, anyway, good one. I've got one here that was uh, tweeted in by Daza underscore sixty six Boslem. He said, mm-hmm. "Paul McGraw." Hi, Daza. <laughs> Daza, how are you doing? Thanks for the tweet. <laughs> Paul McGraw spoke to me in a pub that Adrian Heath owned when both played for Villa. I bumped into him at the bar and spilled his drink. Oh, no. McGraw said, shift out of the way. So he did actually <laughs> speak to that. me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I yeah. love that you've had a crack at the accent. Yeah, um, I'd be buzzing if I was that fella and McGraw spoke to me. Yeah. That, that sounds I mean, great. Spilling McGraw's Guinness is not a wise move. You've assumed it's a Guinness there. It's- yeah. Twice you've you've yeah. Anyway, uh, next we have uh, we have at Manny Hawks. Mm-hmm. I like this one. Met Gianluca Viali in a convenience store in Chelsea. Mm-hmm. I object to the word convenience. Very American. Yeah. Um, my old man hastily purchased a biro and a Radio Times for him to sign. <laughs> a few weeks later, my grand saw him in Beckenham meeting his agent. Practically part of the family. <laughs> now I tell you why. I tell you why I really like this one is I can imagine him and his old man seeing Viali and think. <gasps> Yes. We've got to get his autograph yes. and just picking up any documentation they could find, mm. getting a biro. I mean, that's just class. Isn't yeah, it? I've got uh, exactly the same thing happened to me, but without with, it wasn't Violi. It was Steve Howie and Peter Beardsley were flying down to London for England duty. Um, mm. Me and my family were in the airport. I saw them. They were both there, England tracksuits, waiting oh. waiting to check in. My dad had gone to the um, convenience store, uh, so I ran after him <laughs> and I said, "Dad." Peter Beardsley and Steve Howie have just turned up and they're in the queue for, you know, to check in next to us. And he took out a cigar packet because he smoked cigars back in the day and ripped a bit of it off, gave me a pen. And I ran back and Beardsley and Howie signed a bit of torn off cigar packet. And I, do you know what? I, th- oh, I think man. I've still got it somewhere. I, I, I think <laughs> I've still got it somewhere. But I remember being absolutely delighted with that one. And we were both nice yeah. guys. And uh Steve Howie, uh, we're still waiting for him to uh, reply to our invitation yeah, to waiting. come on the show. Uh, we're waiting, boy. Yeah, yeah. Come on, Steve. You've just actually a couple of things. I've just ju- you've just jogged my memory on two things. One wasn't me. He was a friend of mine. So him and his mates are going on a stag do, and the theme they're flying over to Spain or wherever it is, and their theme is World Cup '94. So they've all got to go full kit from a '94 World Cup team. And my pal, I'll name check him, Will Kumar. He has decided to go in one of the referee kits. So he's in Heathrow Airport waiting for his flight and unbelievably Martin Keown walks by. Oh. So he has a he has a photo of him dressed in full ninety four referee kit sending off Martin Keown. Oh, can, we, can you believe the timing of it? Can you send that to us and we'll put that on Twitter? We need to get that picture out there. He definitely doesn't listen to the show, but um, I'll try. I'll try. One other quick one, and it's not 90s, but it was funny. When Middlesbrough signed Alvaro Negredo for the season that he played for us, and he was class, I see him walking down the high street. I go, <gasps> and with my dad, this we're beyond autographs by this point. We're into selfies. <laughs> I give my dad my iPhone and say, Dad, that's Negredo. Here's how you take a photo on an iPhone. So I give him a 20-second tutorial. I run over, work up the courage, say, Alvaro, please can I have a quick photo? And he's, he doesn't speak English at this point, really. He's like, he's like, yeah, fine. So I give my dad the camera, put my arm on Negredo. He's, I remember his back was the muscliest thing you've ever felt. It felt like a, you know, a climbing wall when you go to a gym. Like, it was a joke. So my dad takes the photo. He goes, is this all right? He turns the pho- my phone around. He's taking a selfie of himself. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I show it to the radio, he laughs. Anyway, fast forward about 20 seconds later, and my younger brother has come piling out of a shop and sprinting up the high street. It turns out that his girlfriend has seen him taking a photo with a footballer. He's like barged past some old ladies to get out of this shop and just come steaming up the high street to get in the photo. We do get a photo in the radio in the end, but it was an ordeal. Brilliant. Can we oh, let's put that on Twitter as well? The, the, the selfie dad yes. took. <laughs> oh, I don't know that. <laughs> oh, incredible. Fantastic. We've got one more tweet. Someone's tweeted in some character called at Dom C26, one of our loyal listeners, I'm sure. And Dom C26 says, I was introduced to Matt Letissier in his changing room after he'd just played a charity game. My brother in law popped in to see if he was okay with me going in to say hi. I get the green light and go in only to meet a butt-naked Letitia sitting down looking up at me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Can you imagine? Oh, dear, oh dear. That's, it's an, did he go ahead and shake his hand? Or I mean, that's, that's, there's so many unanswered questions about that one. Let's from, move on. From, let's move on. From Dom C26. Yes, let's. On with the search. Absolutely. Do you know a player from the 97 sticker book? Is Igor Stimak your neighbour? Connect us and we'll send you some legit stickers from the 1997 Merlin Premier League sticker book, I promise. Do you have any old stickers from 97? We want those too. Send them in and we'll give you a shout out on the show. Have you ever met a player from the 97 sticker book? Tell us a story. No matter how mundane, we want to know where you were, what they were wearing, what they said to you. Was their back as muscly as Alvaro Negredo's? Contact us via the website. You know where we are. We are searchingforshinies.com and on social media, we are at the shiny pod. We're on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. And we've also started to upload the episodes to YouTube, if that's your thing. So search for us on there. Oh, yeah. And please don't yep. get your hopes up. Please <laughs> please do subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening and give us a five-star rating and write us a shiny review on iTunes. It helps mm. us massively. I'm guilty myself of listening to loads of podcasts and never rating them. So please don't be like me. Give us a review on Apple, please. And the last thing I want to especially, say... Especially in Poland. Yes, Poland Poland fans. Actually, we don't need you, Poland. You're doing... You, we're pulling up trees over there, so... We're fine, but <laughs> the last thing I want to say, Richie, is yeah, I'm on board with this now. Keep it shiny. No, you haven't done that. I like it. I'm into it. It's my turn to say it. <laughs> Keep it shiny. 